Welcome to the revolution, to the Liberty Hour on Informed Life Radio, brought to you by Informed Choice Washington. And that means the donors and contributors and supporters of Informed Choice Washington. It is a nonprofit organization, a C3 and a C4 that has been around, well, about 2015 or 16, began it as a, as a Facebook group by uh, Nancy Babcock when some bad bills were coming out and they wanted to go fight them. And then it became this wonderful nonprofit that is still just doing what they can today um, to bring truth to the people, to legislators, to public health department, and really try to get this revelation, a revolution of real health uh, rolling. And it is rolling even in Washington state. Um, the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of uh, KKNW, our wonderful free speech platform, um, or Informed Choice Washington. And of course, you know, we're not giving medical or legal advice. We just want you to um, hear what we got to say and then go on your way to make some uh, good informed decisions as you do your research. In a, in a bit, we're going to be bringing, bringing on our guests and we're going to be talking about some le- really good uh, legal cases that have been filed regarding some harms that were done uh, during COVID as well as, um, and so think about audience, if you've got young ones in the car, we will be talking about a a transgender surgery um, case gone bad, what is being called a mutilation case. So if you've got some delicate ears, we will keep it AM radio friendly, but um, just you know that subject matter will be discussed a, a little bit later in the hour. Uh, so in, anyway, informedchoicewa.org is the website. If you want to keep free speech on the air, please jump on over there and become a recurrent donor for just a couple bucks a month. You keep free speech on the air, greater Puget Sound region, and streaming to all of these online platforms. Um, for a few minutes, we're going to be bringing on Bob Runnels of Informed Choice Washington. Um, Bob, where, let me see, let me grab you, bring you on. Here you are, Bob. So thank you for popping on. Hey, the Liberty Hour, and updating us on what's going on right now about some bills that you think that people in Washington State and elsewhere ought to know about. Thanks, Bernadette. Thanks for having me, and happy to give uh, what update I can. The short session we have here in Washington is more than halfway through, and in terms of the, con- the the core meetings that they're going to have in all the committees, and then they go to the House floor debates, and then they'll flip the chamber to go to the Senate and vice versa. And so we've had some of the bills we've been tracking uh, go through the committees and getting onto the floor for debate now. Okay. So uh, I can run through the top ones we've been tracking on our website as well. If you go to informedchoicewa.org, you can click on the laws page Laws page will get you access to our bill tracker. Okay. So I'll just give some of those highlights if that's what you're looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Good deal. Well, the one, the the two bills I think we're focusing on in terms of our mission directly for Informed Choice Washington are, uh, first of all, there's a little bit of buzz about the vaccine definition change 
they were trying mm-hmm. to update the vaccine definition. Mm-hmm. And so that's moved a little bit in since we've talked last. And, and that's, um, it's the Senate bill that seems to be moving, SB 5982. Okay. And that one's vaccine definition update has gone through committee on the Senate side, went to the floor this week, and uh, they passed it and uh, pretty much on party line. So that was nice to know that at least one party uh, decided to stick with the caucus and for the most part voted against it, but there was no debate. Okay. Nothing was brought up on the pros and cons and why are you doing this? I'm still upset that this bill is passing through without asking the question of how did they already make purchases against the definition yes. that was in the statute? Yes. And I don't know where to go with that still. I mean, I suppose I could file an ethics complaint or a, mm-hmm. we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. If I have exactly. A- and, and explain to uh, viewers why the bill changing the definition, why it's, why we're concerned about that. Right. And so the definition was more of, I guess, a classical definition of a vaccine where it was a, a a part of a virus, a virus or a part of a virus that caused an immune reaction uh, for your immune system to mount a response and build antibodies. Mm-hmm. Now they're changing it to an immunization that's approved by the CDC and the uh, ACIP. So uh, it's basically they're, they're defining vaccine as an immunization, immunization that was approved. That's it. It can be anything that the ACIP the uh, Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices recommends to the CDC, who then puts it on their schedules, that they call an immunization. So this opens the barn door for any technology to put a big V on it, call it a vaccine and or an immunization, and there we go. So Right, right. Um, and it's a complete deferral of any kind of Department of Health state sovereignty here. We're just deferring yeah. everything up to the CDC and yeah. whatever does get on there. So now they're putting monoclonal antibody products on the ACIP list, yeah. as well as mRNA products, mm-hmm. which, again, are not part of a virus. I mm-hmm. mean, you could argue that it's part of the protein, but it's still lab-made. It's not actually part of a, uh, a live substrate at some point. Yeah. And then what's the other bill? Is it the, the Secretary of Health? Is that the one that you want to discuss next? Yeah, 6095. That is Secretary of Health standing orders, and that involves the fact that during the pandemic, the federal state of emergency basically gave the powers to the Secretary of Health here to give standing orders for COVID shots or mm-hmm. for masks or for testing across the state. Well, that's a, an emergency power. Mm-hmm. And so now the Department of Health would like to use that permanently. Yes. And that bothers us. That bothers me. And the the funny thing about that is last year, they were claiming they wanted to restore trust in public health. That was one of their three New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. So how are they going? That's the, the, that's the trust they lost during the pandemic. Now they want to claim those pandemic powers permanently. That doesn't sound like they're trying to regain trust. No, not at all. They just want to prevent being able to be sued. <laughs> and and yes, and, and all these bills come with uh, liability removed from anybody who either passes the standing order and for the vaccine definition bill, anybody who administers vaccines still gets no liability. 
You know what? I'm going to bring on Javier real quick because he put a couple of things there um, in the chat. So speak to those things that about this, Javier. Well, one is potentially, and, and Bob, uh, correct me, um, the, potentially there could be a RICO charge uh, filed against uh, the uh, members of, uh, of the committee uh, and potentially the Secretary of Health because they're working uh, in a form of racketeering with uh, some members of the private sector on making the, the vaccine purchases prior to the vaccine definition change. So there's potentially a uh, racketeering and um, uh, coercion uh, event going on uh, that needs to be addressed uh, before they can be, again, potentially a RICO charge. Because again, mm -hmm. if you actually have evidence that the pharmaceutical industry was trying to alter the definition in order to backdate the uh, uh, purchases by a state official, that's racketeering right there. And that, wow. that is not okay. Second, uh, Javier Becerra, who is, who is the current health, well, I should say Javier Becerra, who sits as a Secretary of Health and Human Services, does not have a legal oath of office on file. Since How does that impact? Um, oh, I guess it impacts everything he's ever said is not. Right. Anything, anything that comes out of his mouth or out of the whole department's mouth becomes the an illegal mandate or illegal health law. emergency. He... he Basically, promulgating the, the extension of the public health emergency is now uh, null and void. He has zero power as secretary if the quo waranto or, or if there's actually a case brought against him. And unfortunately, uh, at, at the D.C. level, any lawyer that, ha that has the potential to actually uh, uh, bring forward a, a, this, a writ to actually say, hey, show us the evidence that you're actually a duly sworn member of of the cabinet, uh, no judge is actually uh, touching it, and no lawyer uh, is actually um, um, licensed in D.C. Uh, that is willing to actually take the the case forward. And you actually need someone in D.C. to present it in order to make it effective. It it kind of takes down the whole pandemic. It just makes the whole thing crumble and then opens it wide open for. <laughs> I mean, right now there yeah. is no legal basis for 13 members of Biden's cabinet. Because yeah. none of them have a, uh, a, an, a an official sworn affidavit or sworn oath of office, which is the requirement under 18 USC. It's it makes you wonder if they did that intentionally so that at some point they knew when they were doing this entire illegal thing that they could. Yeah. So they can well, point thank the you. Well, I yeah. thought they did it. I thought they did it. Oh, well, I guess nobody's culpable. Yeah, thank you. So um, any other things that you feel we should uh, talk about here, Bob, before we move on to our guest today? I will just mention a couple other bills that we've tracked in the past. And you can find out more again on our website, that informedchoicewad.org, and then look for our bill tracker sheet on the laws page. But there are a couple of bills. I hate, I hesitate to mention them because they're quiet right now. I don't want to give them too much life. <laughs> but there are uh, universal basic income bills that are moving in various ways in the different House or Senate chamber and, and committees. We're against that, of course, on principle because they claim that because of uh, further lockdowns in the future and, and climate emergencies, that people will need basic income to survive. We are against that on principle. We think there are enough safety nets that exist in our state that people are taking advantage of. Disability accounts are getting you know large uptake right now, um, as Edward Dowd has been able to, to 
expose. So those are a couple of bills we're tracking. And as well, there's that domestic violent extremism bill, which is, again, shh, quiet, not moving right now. Okay. It was last year, but hasn't moved yet, hasn't been scheduled for anything yet this session. Okay. Glad to hear maybe all the noise is making it stall and uh, given us time to get things turned around. And we're not going to get political coming with elections except to say it has never been more important to vote for health freedom. And I encourage um, anybody who's listening who has not yet signed up to get free emails from standforhealthfreedom.com. Head on over to standtrailfreedom.com. We work with that amazing organization and they're putting out voter guides in every state. Vote for health freedom. Surveys are being done to find out who stands for health freedom and stands against a lot of this nonsense going on because we all need to be making those informed votes so that when bad legislation shows up, it gets voted down. And when good legislation is filed, it gets pushed through. So, Bob, thank you so much for for popping on. I really appreciate it. Um, Have a great weekend and hang out in the back room. And if you've got something to say, just let us know. Happy to uh, pop you back in here. Thank you. I'll just say let's look for our calls to action if any of those top three bills move. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, we're going to go ahead and move on now to our our guests. And that is going to be, well, Javier, you want to come on back on with us? And um, we're going to go ahead and let uh, Bob uh, slip to the back end there, and Javier's going to be greeting by <laughs> greeting our guests. So we we've got Carolyn uh, Blakeman, uh, otherwise known as Cece, coming on from the former Feds group, and also we've got Michael Hamilton, who is um, oh, it looks like uh, he's going to be able to join us. He's he's streaming and not breaking up. Hi, Michael. Hi. Um, hi. I'm so glad you guys could come on. Thank you so much. I'm gonna. And, you know, it's been a little while since Cece's been on. And, Michael, you've never been on, although we have had your partner on. So I'm just Uh going to read a little bit about who you all are. So Carolyn Cece is the director and legal liaison of the former Feds group Freedom Foundation. She's also a conservative political blogger, artist, and researcher. Carolyn was the co-creator of the COVID-19 Humanity Betrayal Memory Project which is a large searchable database that houses thousands of hospital protocol and vaccine injured cases. She's also the coordinator for We the People 50 Project, a project that is working state by state to get the COVID shots recalled based on them being contaminated. She works closely with the attorneys that are taking these cases and is in the and is the host of the former feds Focus podcast and co-host of Declare Truth Out Loud podcast. So, Cece, thank you so much for joining us and and being on the show. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, and did you meet Javier before? I have a couple times. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Um, and and so I'm going to turn on over to Michael. You are you are new to us, um, and so Michael. Well, hold on, I just lost it. There we go. Um, Attorney Michael Hamilton has dedicated his practice of law to fighting medical tyranny. He's my hero already. Michael has a degree in philosophy with an emphasis in Marxist studies. How important is that right now? For the last two decades, he has fought for people without a voice. Michael Hamilton has fought against the unlawful mandates on behalf of the military.
Perry and others, as well as remdesivir wrongful death protocols in the hospitals. By God's grace, he intends to remain faithful to the call to stand in the gap for justice. Welcome so much, Michael. Thank you, Brenda. Wonderful to have you. Um, and so, you know, we've got the last about 40 minutes is dedicated to you guys. You've got some great lawsuits. So I think and, um, I think I'll start with you, Cece. And then, Michael, it's my understanding some of what you're covering will be that transgender case. So I'll just give people a little heads up if you're going to be talking about um, something that's a little delicate. We just remember to keep it AM radio friendly. Um, okay. Uh, when we talk about that one, it's really important for people to hear this information, though. So, Cece, take it away. Wow, we've got so much going on now. I don't think I've ever been busier in the last two and a half years. We've got criminal cases um, being uh, filed with the attorney generals of each state. So there are complaints requesting that they open a criminal investigation against Fauci and company. Um, one of the charges is second-degree murder. So these the, these attorneys at this law firm have been writing this this brief for about two years, and it's backed up with um, victims' written letters requesting that this investigation be opened, because we have over thirteen hundred stories in our database now, with hundreds waiting to be interviewed, and the stories just I, I never think I can be shocked, and then the next one I hear it's just unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know whether it's vaccine or or. Um, protocol, but they're still using the protocol. We had 17 hospital rescues last month alone. So they're still using the remdesivir protocol. And these people are going in with, you know, UTI or a cough, you know, just nothing that, and they're being tricked into getting remdesivir. They're being jabbed while they're sedated or on a ventilator. And they, and if they survive, they're waking up and they found out that's battery. And Michael can tell you, you know, more about that. But so we have about 90 uh, lawsuits referred out across the country, which if none have been dismissed as of yet, um, they've made it past the PREP Act in several. Um, so that we're really hopeful on those. They, you know, they all thought they had immunity, but what we're finding is they don't have immunity for fraud. They don't have immunity for battery. And so that this is what these cases are, not even so much the med mal, but the constructive fraud. So the crime is really happening before the remdesivir has time to do damage on you because you're not even being told that you're getting it. Mm. They're not being told there's alternatives. They're not being told that they're being financially incentivized. Are are the financial incentives still in place then? They're still, you know, I I have been told that the remdesivir one um, was expired in the end of November, I believe, but they're still using remdesivir full speed ahead. It's unbelievable. Um, and then we have our class action, which is moving forward. In fact, we'll be in California February 20th because Gilead, um, you know, we filed against Gilead for false advertisement and c- consumer product protection statutes, basically. Well, Gilead's attorneys had it move, move to federal court, which it doesn't belong there because it's, we're talking about consumer product statutes and that's a state thing. So um, Brad Geyer, our founder, is going out there to argue um, in front of the judge that it needs to be put back into state court because we have a better chance of getting around the prep act in the state but that's that case is still alive all of our cases are still alive so it's very hopeful and plus we've added the criminal ones um in texas florida louisiana oklahoma and south carolina so, so explain the difference you said you've added criminal ones the others are what's the civil basis? and class action 
civil class action and now criminal. Um, what give us some details of of the criminal, the elevation to criminal? Well, that we have to get the AG to um, open the investigation, and he has to do it, you know, at the state level. And we kind of they started in Florida, and with that one, and kind of use that as a template. It's ninety pages long. It's very thorough. That the attorneys have there's multiple charges on it. I can't even remember all of them, but the the second degree murder one sticks out in my head. But um, oh, it, 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 so um, there's the cases of people um, injured by the the shots or hospital protocol but you're talking about filing with the ags that's the criminal right right you're okay okay yeah a regular attorney a civil attorney can't do a, a okay. criminal case it's got to be a state rep you know attorney general okay. or prosecutor so um we're, i think we have some friendly ags that are going to take it seriously especially with the amount of victims that we have supporting the as in, in the in the exhibits um supporting this this investigation to be opened because the, there's just no doubt these stories are criminal. And mm -hmm. this was a bioweapon, the, the vaccine. And the, if they weren't going to get you with that bioweapon, they're going to get you with the toxic remdesivir in the hospital protocol. So either way, they're trying to get you. And um, so we're, we're really hopeful. We're just glad to see things happening. You know, we've been a long time without any, you know, these victims, they need and they deserve some kind of justice, whether right. it comes to class action form or a civil case or a criminal case would be the ultimate, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd throw the biggest parade ever. You know, and it, it doesn't even, you know, I know that there's all kinds of ideas of what's going on and there's a lot of evidence of intent to harm, but even if you, if the, in, there's no intent to harm, it's just intent to make billions of dollars attempt oh, yeah. to capitalize and gain power from a situation the result is the same people are damaged and killed whatever yes. the intent was it doesn't matter the result is death the yeah, result is harm the, yeah. it's, it's either medical incompetence or intentional killing you choose exactly right? exactly um, and yeah. some of these doctors you know they scared the the doctors so bad to to make them hate the unvaccinated so if you go into a hospital and you say you're not vaccinated, they hate you. Literally, we've had doctors tweet out the unvaccinated should be clubbed to death with like a baby seal. This okay, is a, a doctor that was over the COVID unit in a hospital in Texas. The, the unvaccinated are monsters. The unvaccinated are wasting bed space. I mean, just so you can't tell me that they're going to get the same kind of care as mm -hmm. someone. And I know we know for a fact they won't because we've had a, a patient that went in and he knew better. So he told them that he was vaccinated when he wasn't just, and he was on the ivermectin protocol. Well, the doctor found out from his brother that he wasn't vaccinated. His brother didn't know to lie. And his whole protocol changed to the remdesivir and he was put on a vent and died. So oh. we know that it's happening. I mean, we've got story after story. Wow. Um, or they'll blackmail the family. We'll give your, your loved one, you know, the correct care as long as the whole family goes and gets vaccinated. Or you can see your priest if you take remdesivir. I mean, the bribery and the blackmail is just, I don't even recognize you know, the medical establishment anymore. These, these people have been dehumanized and brainwashed. Mm. Mm. It's, it's very scary. 
You know, the, the CHD bus has been going around the nation collecting stories of, of hospital protocol, injuries and deaths, mm-hmm. and, the, and the vaccine injuries and deaths. And they've been here in Tennessee. Um, we had three, and then there's another one coming in Jackson tomorrow. But I spoke to a woman yesterday, or wait, maybe she was in the other city. I lose track. You know, you hear so many stories. But right here, there is a story of a woman who was in the hospital, and she was refusing remdesivir. You know, she was holding her own. And she said, I just need oxygen. You know, that's all she Mm. wanted to get. And um, the doctor said, you're not going to take remdesivir? He said, no. And he says, well, we're going to get you the COVID shots. And she said, no, I refuse to have them. So we walked over the wall and he pulled her oxygen, the plug out of the wall to shut off her oxygen and said, you'll be discharged within a couple hours and just abandoned her because she wouldn't play along with luckily her brother walked into the room it was an older woman who lived alone and she it took a while for a loved one to to get to her because she had to check herself into the hospital because she was having difficulty breathing luckily he walked in she said what had happened he plugged the oxygen back in and then um a, a beautiful soul nurse who really understood what's going on was able to get her orders to get oxygen at home um yeah, it's so cruel. And, yeah, and that's just, you know, a, a tiny glimpse of what you have seen and heard. And it it's just appalling. We have to put us... And the only thing they seem to feel is is uh, financial pain, criminal charges. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely turned to profit over patients. Big Pharma does not make cures. They make customers. I mean, it, it's a money-driven the insurance and the hospital and big pharma, they're all intertwined. You know, the bus was just here in my area too. And I volunteered and helped check people in. And I have to tell you a quick story. I'm not vaccinated, but I was checking in all these people that were unvaccinated. I mean, that were vaccinated and they were vaccine injured. By the time I got home that night, my throat was swollen shut. Hmm. So shedding is absolutely real. And I, I was freaking out. I called Dr. Judy Mikovich. I'm like, well, what would I do? I can't talk. <laughs> and she's like, what are, where have you been? I'm like, I've been working with the this CHD bus, checking in um, vaccinated, vaccinated people. She said, do this, do this, do this. Thank goodness by the next day, I was better. But, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that was the scariest thing ever. I'm like, well, I, I haven't changed anything, but I was just around a lot of vaccinated people. Mm-hmm. But I love Polly. She, she and... um our foundation are going to do a documentary together on the 25 commonalities that we found 25 commonalities of, of what we hear in almost every story. And they're horrific. Yeah. From isolation to dehumanization to denied alternate treatments to restrained either chemically or physically restrained removal of communication devices, um, refusal to take them to the bathroom. Um, neglect. I mean, you name it, there's 25 of them and almost every one of our stories have all of them. Police involvement, uh, pressure to sign our forged DNRs. Yeah. Mm. It, it's, it's scary. It's scary. And I hope you're, I, I just, you're in our prayers because those of, like you who are every day exposing yourself to these stories, it's got to take an emotional toll. So you need yeah. strength and, you know, your faith to keep you through. So um, thank you for that. So I guess, um, Michael, do you want to speak at all to some of these cases or um, explain what you're doing here? Sure. I'm not but doing it here, but. <laughs> well, I, I want to thank you for having us on. 
awareness is so important right now, especially now because so many people think it's over. They're saying, what, that's still going on. I heard about remdesivir, but it's continuing from what I can tell unabated. We have at least 5,000 people that have come through our Declare Truth website and from all 50 states, from at least six different countries, and they all tell the exact same story like Carolyn was saying. And let me just tell you, I gotta—I have to say this. It's, a, it's, an, it's an aside, but CC is one of the most amazing humans. Yeah. She's, she's an incredible tireless warrior and with a heart the big, as big as Texas, I mean. And so I'm, I'm really honored to be working with her. I'm just a lawyer, but CC is like all. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you. So we have, we have um, three sort of sets of cases that we're focused on. One of them is the remdesivir protocols. We have about 19 cases, I think, in six states now um, in various stages. And... And then the other two areas are we, um, Dan has represented people all across California. We represent 412 nurses who were fired because they asked for a religious exemption for the vaccine. They were all fired. There was a lot more than that. They were fired all at the same time by Kaiser Permanente. So we have a lawsuit on their behalf. Um, and then I think, I hope this is okay to say, involuntary transgender mutilation. Um, Mm -hmm. We a gentleman who went into the hospital because he was feeling suicidal. And without treating any of his bipolar PTSD, he had a number of disorders. Without treating any of those things, they told him that they were going to make him better. And they gave him surgery that he did. Oh, he, Michael just froze on us. So hopefully we'll get him back. While we get uh, Michael restored here, I'll go back over to CC and kind of let you pick up. So the um, is the transgender case the same one where the, the, was the young man as a boy, was he like abused by his brother or is this a different case? Yeah, and he was older um, and he was abused and they didn't treat any of his mental illness. They mm -hmm. said, this will make you better. We're going to turn you into a girl. And, and he had written he, it. He, oh, go ahead. He, yeah. He'd already expressed to them that he wanted to be a father someday. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. There, there's back. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that when I interviewed Dan before that he um, had expressed several times and it went in his file in bold letters underlined that he had said he wanted to be a father, not a mother, a father someday. And, um, and, so that case is ongoing. Can you explain where that case is at this time and how the client is doing? How's he doing emotionally? Well, he's not doing well at all. I'm sorry. Um, and, and the case is, the case is in sort of a, one of these early stage, never ending processes advancing toward discovery. Um, and, but I can tell you that, that Richard is, is in a, just a terrible, terrible place. His life has been completely devastating. Yeah. Not just I'm physically, so but emotionally. I mean, he's got all yeah. kinds of medical issues now. Le you know, I don't want to get too graphic, but, you know, urine leaking inside of him. And it's just. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I'm. 
I have no job to lose. I'm just a volunteer for everything I do. And so I guess I feel a little bit bolder sometimes in my statements. And, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. You cannot turn a man into a woman. You can't turn a woman into a man biologically. There's so much more to male, female than body parts and a hormone or several hormones. And while I, I ate and individuals who are confused about their gender, what their brain feels and does not match with the body they were born with. I, I really feel that attempting medically to tell them that they can change is cruel, just absolute Mm -hmm. medical brutality. And I think, why aren't we trying to help people just be comfortable who they are and, Mm -hmm. and help them, you know, um, just live their best lives, feel loved and accepted for whoever they are. But this, this, we have no long-term data on anybody who's attempted to switch over and especially when they're very young. Um, so I just, it's, it's I, so sad. It's, it, child it's abuse. so sad. And you know, and everybody's been made to af- afraid to say what I just said, this yep, needs yeah. to be a, a national international conversation. They're doing this everywhere, which makes us understand that there's big global plans for depopulation. Yep. And every nation is doing this, is brutalizing their people. I think we should love everybody for who they are, support them for who they are. And if they have mental illness, we help them with the mental illness. We don't try to, um, we don't, to me, it's like, you know, somebody saying, I'm a butterfly. Well, let's turn them into a, I'm sorry, I won't go ahead. Like, it's just. It's so true. And children are confused at that age, you know. It's because they say something that's confusing. They're a child. I mean, yeah. they're not. And then the, the parents that are on that other side is let's go get you those hormones and just ruin their, their children. I think it's no, nothing short of child abuse. Ab- absolutely. Ab- this has, we have to have a national conversation, very public conversations. You know, we need to do it with, with love and grace and understanding, but absolute honesty so i mean michael i really applaud you for taking on his case um uh, richard was his name richard richard yes yeah but taking on his case and and doing what you can and um happy to try to give it more attention because probably for every richard who was bold enough to allow us to share his story um there are so many others that are suffering silently that nobody knows. I want to say, if I may, that all of us who are fighting in, in these spaces for mm-hmm. against medical tyranny. We're fighting for freedom, but everybody who's fighting for freedom in this space is, whether they know it or not, they're engaged in a spiritual war. Yeah. I believe that. And, you know, one of Satan's oldest tricks in the book is to take something God made good and pervert it. You know, God mm-hmm. says, male and female he created them he saw that it was very good and the enemy comes along and he says no you can be any one of a dozen genders what does that even mean that's nonsense it's obviously nonsense it's nonsense to say a, a boy can become a girl or a girl can become a boy that's absolute it's abuse it's gaslighting but you're going to have the same number of x and y chromosomes and like you said there's so much more that goes into it then so much more biologically that goes into it 
Um, exactly. Okay, enough of that. So, I, you know, I apologize if I offended people, but we need open, honest dialogue on this subject. We need to talk about it so that we can support people who are in this very confused state and help them um, be their best selves, whatever that is, without this mutilation um, aspect of things here. So, um, you know, one of the things you talked about, if we um, if we go on back, uh, Cece, you're, I'm finding it so appalling that we're continuing to have people harmed by the protocols. We know that more and more people are figuring out that the shots are dangerous and it's appalling that those are still being promoted, that taxpayer money is still being pumped out there to promote these shots. But for these hospital protocols to continue, what does that mean for the future of any sort of hospital care that they would continue? Well, you know, it, it's still at the end of the day, a big depopulation agenda. So mm -hmm. the hospital protocols, they have no intention on stopping and they have no intention on stopping this mRNA vaccine, the dangerous technology that they're using. In fact, we just got put under a declaration of public um, emergency readiness for two more viruses that what? we've never even had a case of. Came what? out in January. I, I missed that. What happened? <laughs> January, um, I think it was January 4th. And normally these, um, here, I'll read it to you. Uh, it's the notice of declaration under the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act for countermeasures against Ebola and Marburg disease. Mm. That if, means I may jump, if I may yeah. jump in on that, because you're absolutely correct. One of the reasons that this is happening is that at the uh, University of Colorado and the Colorado hospital system, they've been uh, giving out experimental live Marburg virus vaccines to the hospital population there to quote, get them ready for the, for the breakout of Ebola Marburg. And again, that particular vaccine has a 30% shed rate with yep. active Marburg and the FDA approved this. That is criminal. That is a violation of, of the biological warfare acts that we have right now. And they're using this right now in Colorado. Colorado is giving live virus vaccines with 30% shed rate actually beginning to cause the spread. Not yet. Not yet. There we haven't been had a case yet, but they, they plan on it. Um, wow. And the, these these public awareness declarations usually last 90 days and then they reevaluate and extend it like they did with COVID. Do you know when this one ex is, expires? December 31st, 2028. So at any time, Becerra, who, you know, HHS secretary can shut us down for any reason he wants to. Congress has gave all gave him all the authority. It is absolutely this unconstitutional thing I've ever heard. We've had not had a single case of them at Marburg or Ebola yet. I mean, we're talking a hemorrhagic fever, which probably wouldn't even turn into a pandemic because it spreads so fast and the kill rate so high and in fact that it wouldn't even make well, it. Yeah. That's why a vaccine would be so handy because it would die out on its own. So you need to spread it through the vaccine. This is horrific. Yeah. And in the in the last hour, um, Javier, talk about um, how Becerra is not duly sworn in. So Vascara, yeah. Lisa McGee, uh, with the help of Ken Ferguson and Todd Callender, uh, filed or attempted to file a writ of quo waranto in the uh, D.C. District Courts through the Attorney General. The Attorney General and none of the none of the judges and none of the lawyers 
have taken on that writ of quo warranto. And the writ of quo warranto states uh, with evidence after multiple FOIA attempts to retrieve the signed affidavits of oath of office for 13 cabinet members in the Biden administration, not a single one was correct, had a seal or had a signature that allowed them to actually uh, under, uh, what was it? I think it's uh, 5 USC, um, yes, 5 USC code 3332 uh, to take their seat because they don't have a legally binding oath of office. Right, we have a complete administration full of illegally function, functioning um, representatives that have no constitutional rights. And they're signing in declarations till 2028 for a hemorrhagic fever that doesn't even exist yet. Wow. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, but you know what? We got people like Cece and Michael and others that are fighting. And, um, you know, I always have to keep everything upbeat. Yeah. Whenever I hear really, you know, disturbing things like this, I also have to realize that that means we're aware of it. We discovered mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. And once then this, you know, the spotlight is on, something can be done. So we're right. still in the process. Every the the systemic corruption of the healthcare industry with the political forces and and you know everything. I mean, have you read Bobby Kennedy's uh, Wuhan cover up yet? Um, mm -hmm. That is a brilliant. So much of what you're doing is backed by what's in that amazing. It reads mm -hmm. like a spy novel, like a thriller no. novel. It's just astounding. Um, and I completely lost my tangent of where I was going with that. But, oh, we're in the stage of, of everything festering, everything coming to the surface, all the coming to light. So rather than feeling overwhelmed, listeners, um, to everything that you're hearing, just know that it's part of the cleansing because it's part of us seeing everywhere the corruption is touched. And once we know about it, we can do something about it. And one of them, yep. and we're not powerless. I think they have overplayed their hand on the COVID and people caught up yeah. and they're not going to fall for this. No. And right. you have power because you have the power of no. We have the power of sticking together, saying no, not complying, you know, doing the right thing to protect ourselves. Um, uh, it never, I said in the last hour, I'll say it now, never more important to vote. For, for medical freedom, go to stanfordhealthfreedom.org and or doc, is it dot org or dot com? I always forget that. I should know. I've got it written everywhere. Stand for Health Freedom anyway, and go look it up, sign up, and they've got voter survey guides they are creating now. So we have got to make sure our elected officials represent us and not this cabal that yes. really um, has their own nefarious. Intent. We do have a good person um, running in North Carolina, Brooke McGowan. Um, she, her whole platform. Well, we can't talk that. about individual political candidates on this show. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, it's never mind. C4. Yeah. So we okay. can tell people where to go to okay. look up medical freedom stance on candidates so they can okay. inform votes. But sorry, we're we're kind of staying yeah. away from the actual individual recommendations um, under our C4. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I may. Can you hear me? Because I know I've been kind yes. of coming in and out. Yes. Um, we have a kind of a significant development that's taking place this week. Uh, we have one of our first cases in California. The demurrers have been filed, and a demur is like a motion to dismiss. Oh, okay. 
and they have been filed. We have responded, and there's going to be a hearing on Wednesday. And if we get through in the court system, past the demur, then discovery opens up. We can really start to get some answers. You were asking a, a few minutes ago about the financial incentives. Mm -hmm. California, if you give somebody ivermectin, treat them as an outpatient, send them home, average charge rate is, is $3,600. But if you bring them in as an inpatient, what they call a non-complex case, the average charge rate goes to like 146, I think, 146,000. But if they become complex, which means they're either intubated or put in the ICU, either one of those two items will define them as complex. Now the average charge rate goes to about $464,000. Wow. In addition, if you offer them uh, remdesivir to the exclusion of other remedies, then you qualify for Medicare, Medicaid, what they call an NCTAP bonus, 20% above the overall cost. Mm -hmm. At 464, I'm just trying to use my memory. I'm getting close numbers. It's about 79,000 additional dollars. So now we're over half a million if you give them remdesivir and stick them in the ICU. And there's a few other CARES Act things. And of course, if you put um, COVID on the death certificate, the state gets, I think in California, it's about 164,000. In Kentucky, it's 297. And these are, and that's per death certificate out of the original CARES Act. So the, the financial incentives easily approach three-quarters of a million dollars, just the ones we know about, as long as you give them remdesivir and you at least intubate them or put them in or declare them to be in the ICU. It's so horrific. And my friend here in Tennessee, AJ DePriest, with the Tennessee mm -hmm. Liberty Network, where some of the ones that came, that, you know, discovered all of this and brought it forward in white papers, so grateful for her and that group. And it's just appalling that it continues. So people need to know. Um, do you have any, based on your experience with all the fighting you're doing for people who are harmed, what's your best recommendation for anybody who really needs to go to the hospital for a med for medical reason and they can't avoid it? What can they do to protect themselves? Um, so um, Cece's holding up a bracelet. So a medical alert bracelet that properly says what? No remdesivir. No remdesivir, barcinidib, or fentanyl. Because those are the, there's other pain, you know, medications that they can use that are a lot less dangerous. And remdesivir is poison. Mm -hmm. Barcinidib is poison. And that's what kills everybody. You know, okay. they say, oh, well, it's COVID that gives you kidney failure. Then why didn't the rest of us at home that had COVID develop kidney failure when we did not treat with remdesivir? Yeah. Um, so these have saved many lives. I've had on mine on for a year and a half. It still looks brand new. It doesn't turn or rust. It's stainless steel. I showered it, sleep in it, scuba dive in it. I never take it off. Uh, where do you, if you, where did you get your break? Oh, sorry. You can get them off our website. Oh, okay. Tell everybody uh, your website address again. It's chbmp.org. And C you can go down to the very bottom. You'll see it. Or you can do chbmp.org backslash bracelet. Okay. Excellent. I'm so glad you provide those. Does it also say no uh, COVID shot? Or We're going to get some made, but there's room that you could have anything else um, that you're allergic to. You can have those engraved and it's a medical legal directive. So if the whole country was wearing theirs, wearing these, there would be, would be no COVID protocol, you know, remdesivir protocol. Mm -hmm. We would take the power back ourselves. So far, um, far better than writing on a yeah, I'm sorry. I just I got a little lag and I apologize. I keep uh, talking over That's you. Okay. I don't mean to. Um, it's better than writing uh, on your arm with a Sharpie. 
right? Because a lot of people yeah. have resorted to writing <laughs> and they don't yeah. always honor that. That's not enough to you say know? you don't want it. No. You have to say you're allergic to it. Yeah. You know, this is, this is the whole thing got on my radar when I was at a hospital in Louisville, Kentucky. A nurse who had been a nurse for 26 years was uh, being co given COVID and she managed to get a phone call out for help and a nurse's group contacted me. So I went there. She had come in. She gets a pneumonia, bronchial pneumonia every year, every other year. And she comes in for fluids and antibiotics. So she came in and she said, I've got that thing. I need fluids and antibiotics and, and don't give me any of that remdesivir. I don't have COVID. And so they put her in a room and they said, let's get some fluids in you. But what they hooked her up to was remdesivir. And then they locked her in there for nine hours. And then they found that she was dehydrated. They could barely get a needle in her the next day. And they said, well, let's get you on some more fluids, dear. And they put her on remdesivir and locked her in. And when I got there, I asked them, I was her attorney, her power of attorney as well. I asked them to show me the medicine they were giving her. And they said, oh, we don't do that anymore. We, when she is discharged, we'll give her a printout and then she'll know what she received. Oh, good we don't grief. And I said, oh, that's not the way this is going to work. You have to tell me. Well, so they, they just stonewalled me for 13 hours, maybe. And uh, I finally called the director on the phone and I said, I'm down in this room and you better not call me back. You better come down here and fix this. Mm-hmm. And um, because you have big legal problems right now and they're just about to get worse. So instead they surrounded me with about six security guards. And then this nurse gave a speech. She said, this man's been inter interfering with our work all day long. We can't get anyone cared for. He's going in and out of the COVID ward without protective gear. And I'm like, well, I, I, I knew that I had made lots of video of them going in and out without protective gear. So I just, I said to those men, I said, look, I'm, I'm just, we're not going to have a wrestling match, but everything this lady just said is a lie. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not leaving this hall until I get Louisville's finest on the phone. I dialed 911. I said, there's an attempted murder going on over here, and I need some squad car right now. Wow. <laughs> so they banned me from ever going to the hospital again. They did get five troopers in there with the doctor, finally. And she said she didn't want remdesivir, and they told him they needed to stop it. The doctors, the, the cops didn't want to go up because... They're like, we, what are we going to tell a doctor in a hospital? You know, we're not doctors. I said, well, just go up there and ask her if she wants mm -hmm. to be given that drug. Ask her that. So they did. Um, long story short, they bullied her. They told her that if she left the hospital against medical advice, she was going to lose her insurance and she was going to have to pay for the whole thing and it would bankrupt her family. She was nervous. She let them intubate her and she, she died in three days. Oh, no. Yeah. Evil. Absolute yeah. evil. So common, too. So common. Yeah, that's exactly what they do. They, they take somebody, they tie them down, they say, well, you appear to be agitated because they put a, first thing they do is put an oxygen machine on their face after they isolate them, and they crank it up. Somebody with 98% oxygen is getting 100% high flow from a BiPAP machine, and it's uncomfortable. So they try to take that off. They zip tie their hands down. They say, oh, my, you appear to be agitated. Let's get some fentanyl and some morphine into you. They zip tie their hands down. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have pictures of people whose hands turned black because they wouldn't release them. They just let the hand die because they were going to kill them anyway. Yeah, we have ladies that were, that were hogtied like this, zip tied. Uh, I'm I have pictures of people with holes in the back of their throat where they had to intubate them to get the money. So they just ram it in there. They don't even care if it's going into the lung. 
Mm-hmm. They just punch it in and call them intubated. Because they don't expect these people to live. Yep. I'm That's I'm plan. so horrified. These are these are a Night- level of details that I hadn't heard yet. So nutrition, no hydration. Their lungs are filling up because of acute renal failure. I'm not a doctor, but I know what remdesivir does because I've had yeah. the good fortune we, to talk to We got them. just like a minute and a half left. I'm sorry to interrupt there, but um, uh, wow, I'm just sort of almost speechless here. You guys continue your great work. In this last minute, tell people where they can go to support what you're doing, um, you know, to, to keep going, to stop this. Where can they go? They can go to chbmp.org or formerfeds.org, and we could use the support. We are a nonprofit, and, um, you know, our budget's a shoestring, so we, we depend on the American people to help us stop. But if it, if it hadn't happened to you and your family, it certainly could still. Mm-hmm. And if you do have a story that you would like to tell, get on the record and preserve the historical history, then go to chb.org and um click document my story and we'll get you interviewed and get you in there and we have 15 support groups every week so you there's you're always supported Mm -hmm. and you can you know find a family with us here we have lots of people i'm sadly lots of people but wonderfully lots of people to support you carolyn blakeman michael hamilton bless you in the great york you're doing um come back in a in a little while and let us know how you're doing if you get a great victory we want to hear about it okay um, thank, thank you, you so much, much. And, and for us it's declaretruth.us i'm sorry i broke up there Oh, no, declaretruth.us for Michael Hamilton. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Liberty Hour on Informed Life Radio at 1150 AM KKNW. Everybody take care, stay safe, look out for each other, and we'll talk to you next week. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.